Bless God. It's always great to have uh, a time around the table, and it's always fantastic just to have those beautiful songs sent in to us. We're going to turn to the Word of God. Will you turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, please? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. Our title for this morning is Treasures and Things Old and New. Treasures and Things Old and New. We're just going to read one verse, but we'll look at more scripture in a moment. So that's Matthew 13 and verse 52. 52. Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Let us pray. Father, take your own inspired divine word. And we ask you, Lord, that you would teach us the scriptures. And Lord, that you'd fortify our spirits and you challenge our hearts and lead us on with your own good self. We need you. And we ask you for your Holy Spirit, for the anointing power of the Spirit of the Lord to be upon me, Lord, to rightly divide the word of truth and to be able to break this bread of life, to bring forth treasures and things old and new. Glorify your name. For Jesus' sake, I ask it. Amen. The general philosophy in today's world is out with the old, in with the new. Of course, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it's something like this, when a man and a woman are saved. When a man and woman come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their own Lord and personal Savior, the day when Christ comes into the life, the old life is gone, the new life has become. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Now therefore, there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Notice, all things have passed away. All things have become new. New in Christ. New in the covenant of Christ. The blood of the everlasting covenant. They're washed new. They're made new. And they have all things new. We're going to look at this a little more, God willing, this morning. So the general philosophy is out with the old and with the new. For example, technology moves so fast. I must admit, I don't know a lot about technology. But no sooner does someone get a mobile or a cell phone and they think it's the latest model when within months or a year, whatever, there's another greater, better upgraded one to come along. The old is out and with the new. It's like that with everything. Who would have thought that about 100 or so years ago, man learned to fly. Man took the flight. And it was only probably 50, 60 years ago that man entered into space. And yet such a great jump from all the time from Adam to now, 6,000 years. And all of that time, man has just learned to fly in an aeroplane. 
And just a, a few years shorter than that, not only did he fly an airplane, but so quickly developed where man then learned to fly to space. Man learned to fly into outer space. Now, we're told that they are looking for some of the, of the rich and famous of the world, like Richard Branson at one time. I, I take it he's still looking for it. That he, he was looking for commercial space flights. Some years ago, he was saying he was hoping for commercial space flights to take people as though you'd get on a train or a bus or a plane and go into space. Let's hope his success was greater than that of his balloon challenge of flying around the world without stopping. Everything is moving so quickly and swiftly. Out with the old, in with the new. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4, the book of Daniel chapter 12 verse 4 in your Old Testament, listen to what Michael the archangel tells Daniel. But thou, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Strange thing is, in the book of Daniel, he says, shut up the book till the time of the end. In the last days, that is, from the book of Revelation was written, from the time of our Lord's burial and resurrection, and ascension, that's, they call it there in the scripture, the la, these last days. So from the last days, we have the revelation of Jesus Christ written by the apostle John uh, through, of course, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So Daniel shuts the book. And at the last days, the book is opened. Revelation progresses through history. The learning of the revelation of Jesus Christ progresses through history. And through that history, coming to the time of the end, if you want the latter days or the last of the last days, there are many things that are happening that we see around us. Notice what it says, Daniel says, pardon me, Michael the archangel said to Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Now, if you go to different scholars on this, they have differing opinions. And some of them say it means uh, two things at the same time. Two things at the same time. For example, how can something uh, so bad be a blessing in other ways? We know that the Word of God tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And in the midst of bad things, we wonder how can God work good out of it, yet it's bad in one sense, it's hard, it's trying, but yet God still brings good out of it. Some say this verse here, this last line of the verse is exactly that. Even to the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. In other words, what it means, some say it means, is that at the last days, many will be able to hear the word of God. Many will know the word of God, or the word of God will be published and printed and uh, put out around the world. We think of the last days being from the days of the apostles, and they call it the last days, 
Paul talks to Timothy about the last days. We'll look at it in a moment, which really represents mainly our day. We can see it all around us. And then, well, so all of those days, in that time of the book of Revelation, especially Revelation chapter 10, the little book opened, what happened? The Bible was printed. The little book was opened. The Bible was printed at the time of the Protestant Reformation. And, of course, it was uh, uh, Caxton invented the printing press. And instead of being handwritten and only uh, a, a few in number being able to be printed through and through, the press enabled it to be able to be printed and to go out in, in its droves around our, uh, our, our Europe at the time and into our own nation here. Even the Lollards, those poor preachers went out and they were sent out preaching it. Other groupings went out preaching it. And many say that people will go to and fro. Knowledge of the word will be increased. But when we look today, there are more Bibles being printed than any other book. It's the most popular book in the world, yet when you ask people, yet they tend to say they know nothing of the Bible nor want anything to do with it. So there's a blessing and a curse in this, as it were. Notice here, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. I'm told by one old writer, he says in the Hebrew, it gives the idea of a, of, of a ship with an oar lapping the, the water, as though it's rowing from town to town, or pardon me, from country to country, Probably Mediterranean, through the Straits of Gibraltar, around into the British Isles. There they're rowing, he says. It gives the idea. And then it goes on again. Of course, they went to the United States and then to Canada. And, you, and there's the, the Word of God going again. And there's it being printed again. And there's it going out again. And it's going out and out and out. That's the blessing. We have it here. That's the blessing. On the flip side, some people say, it means there will be a great apostasy, especially in the latter days, or from the time of Revelation being written in the Isle of Patmos, the last of the, la- the latter days, or now the last of the last days, there will be an apostasy. That happened whenever the church had, or, or, that is at Rome, that is the blood-washed church that was at Rome, which Paul writes to in the book of Romans, and then constantly was under pressure and under persecution, from the likes of Nero, and then when Constantine ended that, claimed to be a Christian, he brought in paganism into that church, mixed it, and from there sprang forth papal Rome. There was a great apostasy, a great falling away. And even today we're seeing it again in the church, ecumenical meetings. We're seeing it in the church. The blood in the book is very rarely, if at all preached in places, judgment is thrown out, sin is no longer uh, talked about in many places, and so we're finding it that it is both ways. It means an apostasy. In Psalm 101, there's a little verse there, and it it says this in verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes, I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave unto me. And the idea of this, this uh, that many shall run to and fro and uh, knowledge shall be increased, it actually gives the idea that many will have given way, turned away, twisted the way, and neither are gone away. That's what some scholars say it means. Uh, Moffat's translation of this says, many will have given way, 
turned from the truth. While troubles, calamities and wickedness will be multiplied upon the earth. Some accepting the doctrines of devils. Some accepting the doctrines of devils. The problem here is that whether it is one or the other or both. We can see the sifting this very hour. The days in which we live in, we hear of this whole COVID around the globe. We hear of the Antifa and we hear of of the Black Lives Matter and we hear of the rights and the wrongs and the the attacking of war memorials and we hear of the pulling down of statues and, and then we see other groupings and rising up and we see a lot of abortion issues and, and, and those uh, uh, groups who spring up who, who are claiming that, uh, that they're from LGBT and all of these and a lot of them are sponsored by men like George Soros and the likes of them doctrines of devils and here we find that people have turned away altogether even in the church from the scriptures preferring to read something rather than the word of God Father, rather to Pat someone on the back rather than give them the word to the heart. And so it happens that man and the woman of God know the right and the wrong that is being presented. Treasures and things old and new. The Lord Jesus said this in Matthew 13 and in verse 52. Notice what he says It says, then he said unto them, therefore, every scribe is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven. Every scribe is instructed. So there's an instruction of learning the scribe, to be a scribe in the word. Instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Notice what he says, new and old. Here we find him, he's saying this on the back of the parables of him and his second coming. He talks about the parable of the sower. Verse 31 of the same chapter. Another parable put he forth unto them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field which indeed is the least of all great seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches. Another parable spake unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like an unto leaven, which a woman took and hid three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. All these things spake Jesus unto them in parables and without a parable speaking not unto them. Why? Because it would take the spirit and the word to give them the revelation of the kingdom of God on the earth. Jesus starts then to elaborate in our chapter, verse 35, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. He sends away the multitude And then he starts to answer what these are. For example, the parable of the sower, which he had read. You you can go and read that earlier in, in the chapter. Listen to what he says in verse 38. The field, parable of the sower sows the field in the world. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. 
At this time, what he's looking at here is the field is the world, the good seed, the children of the kingdom, were Israel scattered at this time. The rest were in Judea, and they would be scattered again in 8070. The gospel would go out after the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and men and women would hear the word of God and the gospel. And he says here, here God has been sowing this. They're scattered, the diaspora. And then he says that the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. And that's what we're saying uh, these lobbyist groups are being backed. Many people's minds are blinded and, and they need to hear the word, but many of them just cannot see because God is not their father. And what we realize then is, is that those tares who are, who are even behind it, pushing them up through the soil of the field, which is the world, and pressing them into all of this trouble, that is the like of the Soros. And we hear of the Rothschilds and the Bilderbergers, and we hear of all of those men. They're the ones who are pressing the issue, even Bill Gates and the likes of them. Now, I notice here, it says here, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. And therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire. So shall it be in the end of this world. Jesus on the back of this, and he goes on into other parables. On the back of this starts talking about a scribe who has learned brings out things new and old. New and old. So Daniel is told, shut up the book. Till the time of the end, revelation is written, and now the revelation is opened up. And as it's opened up, all these things are foretold, and we're being told that working, being played out in history. The problem is also that this is, with this is that man's so-called intelligence. So what it is is people think, well, intelligence shall increase. That's the idea many think of as well. We only were in flight 100 years ago. 50, 60 years ago, we went into space. And now we're able to talk to each other around the globe at the push of a finger, see each other face-to-face uh, -face on screen where, where we would have thought that was uh, ridiculous scientific stuff not too many years ago. And so we're, 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 we're increasing in knowledge in that way too. So these are the schools of people of thought that people think around us. But the problem with this is that man's so-called intelligence and knowledge has, because of it, he has forgotten his heritage. He's forgotten his heritage. He's forgotten the gospel. He's forgotten God. He's forgotten his word. He's forgotten Christ. And he's forgotten the cross work of Christ, the blood of Christ, and he's forgotten all of it. It's called old hat. That's old hat, as we would say. This book to them is irrelevant. And because it's irrelevant, society detests it, hates it, does not want it. And the nation and the modern world no longer think they need it. So Jesus in a reading says the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder which brought forth out of his treasure things new and old. The Old Testament has many wonderful treasures. Jesus is referring to the both testaments. The New Testament which he is about to establish and the Old Testament that we have the law 
the Pentateuch and the prophets. Notice here Jesus is saying, we're going into the new, but we bring from the old into the new. For example, the Old Testament, people say it's, we don't need it. There are things that are fulfilled and uh, are being done away with in Christ, but there are, there, the Old Testament is a book that is relevant today. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. I'll say it again. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. You can't know one without the other. One speaks of the other, tells of the other, and the commentary of one is the other. Jesus says that a scribe of the kingdom, in other words, a preacher of the kingdom, a preacher of kingdom message, a preacher of kingdom believing, will preach from the old and from the new, will bring out treasures from the old and show treasures in the new. The Old Testament has many wonderful treasures, some of which were fulfilled, some which have to be fulfilled, and some which are being fulfilled. The text from Daniel is an Old Testament text, but it's still new, as I've showed you. It's still relevant today, and humanity is showing it out to be fulfilled, and they can't even see it. They can't see it. We must remember that these parables are first and foremost. Listen, friends, when you read the parables, we know there's an application where we can apply it to salvation message in some of them, and that's fine. Some to a backslider, the prodigal son, and uh, coming back to the Lord, that's fine. And we we understand others are to to instruct uh, people in the church how to live, the ecclesia how to live, and that's fine. The, The application, but the interpretation is they are kingdom parables, First and foremost. They're pointing to Christ and his coming. And Jesus to rule the earth. Reigning over all of mankind. The Apostle Paul speaks of today's society as we have spoken of. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 to 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. This is what he writes. This know also that in the last days, now Paul is in the last days, the last days have been spoken of by the apostles. Paul is in the last days, but Paul is looking as the days progress to the last days of the coming of the Lord. Know this also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. It means they'll have no self-control over their emotions, over their thoughts, over their thinking, over their actions. In other words, they'll, they'll be twisted in ways and they'll, they'll go to the deepest of depths and, and they'll be as barbaric as a barbarian. Fierce despisers of them that are good. Good has become evil now. Evil has become good. Despisers of them that are good. Verse 4, let's read it. Traitors, heady, 
high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We see it even in the church today. We see it in those who call themselves believers today, Christians today, that they'd rather have their pleasure over the things of God. They'd rather have their pleasure over Christ and his word. They'd rather have their pleasures. And Christ goes down the list further and further in the order of things. Notice here, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Notice, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is it men, it says, shall go to and fro and knowledge shall be increased? They'll look for things, but they can't find it. Here they're coming to the knowledge of the truth. What is it they can know all these mental things? They have brilliant minds. They have such intelligent thoughts. Uh, They could buy you, sell you, twist you up and throw you away and discard you. And their mind wouldn't even be perplexed about it in a debate. But yet they can never come to the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because even as it says here on our wall behind us, John 17 and verse 17, thy word is truth. This is the knowledge of the truth, and they don't want to know it. They don't want to hear it, because when they know this, when they hear this, what is it Jesus says? It says that men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. And so if we can get rid of the word of God, If we can get rid of the Bible out of schools and universities, we can program the minds of the children from uh, books right the whole way through to programs that they'll watch, to movies that you're taking them to see, and they're subtle, now they're getting stronger, and by the time they're going to school, they're getting more, and by the time they go into secondary school, they're getting deeper things, and then by the time they go into university or college or into the workplace, their mind is totally liberalized, sold over to the things that are anti-Christ. And these people are never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They have, it means, one Greek writer says, they have a wrong motive, wanting to have an experiential knowledge. And so truth of the, the knowledge of truth is experienced in the heart, not the head. They cannot see it. It's faith, brother, sister, not science. It's experience not experiment. It's experience, not experiment. The Lord Jesus said in reference to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, and householder bringeth forth out of, the, out of his treasures things new and old. Modern society has brought out new ways, new things. We're talking, we're hearing all the time, new normal. All has to be new. In the church, in many places, I know there's plenty, plenty of places where people stand for the truth and preach the word, but there are many, many places and they're bringing out new thoughts that are not the old paths. New ways that are not the only way, which is Christ. And new ideas of salvation which is not by grace through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone, giving glory to God alone. 
Preaching has become man-centered. It's all about me. It's about I. It's become man-centered. Some have become gods in their own eyes. Small g. Self-styled, self-kept. It's all comfort. It's I, me, and my. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. But it's the old treasures which make the new. The old treasures which talk about and point to the new. And what I'm saying is, you can't say, it's all about the love, the love, the love, the love, the love. And it's all about grace, 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 grace. It is that, but it's not all it's about. It's about the old treasure of the old covenant. It's about God and the old spoke of the new. And the new is concealed. The new reveals. And we need both of these testaments. We're not an Old Testament believer. We're not a New Testament believer. We are whole Testament believers. Notice here things new and old. The houses of Israel and Judah. Israel separate into two kingdoms. You can read about that in your Old Testament. They separated into two kingdoms. And the old treasures that, uh, that were given unto each are found in the prophets. So Elijah, Elisha, uh, Hosea, Amos, and so on were given to the house of Israel in the north. And then we have, of course, Jeremiah, Isaiah, partly to both, but especially Jeremiah. And then, of course, we have uh, the latter ones like Zechariah and so on to the southern kingdom, Daniel, Ezekiel, mainly to them. Notice this. These treasures that are in this for these two kingdoms are then shown through the prism Prism of the cross. I want to show you this. The promise of Savior. Isaiah 48 and verse 6. The Lord says. I have showed thee new things from this time. Even hidden things that thou didst not know them. The Lord says I have shown you new and hidden things. And he's revealing it unto the prophets first. He's gearing up Israel for the Messiah to come. He's gearing up Israel for Jesus. Isaiah 31 and verse 22 says, For the Lord hath created a new thing in the earth. Notice a new thing in the earth. A woman shall compass a man. This woman is Israel. This man is Christ. So it's a new thing. It's going to be new completely. And this is going to show you now as we run into this we're going to show you some uh, verses you can jot down you can read you can study and how it becomes new but yet from the old it comes to us right through Christ and we are uh, the the those who are pertaining to that adoption notice here for example in Jeremiah 31 and verse 31 Yahweh says behold the days come saith Yahweh or the Lord, that I will make a new covenant 
with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. That new covenant is in Hebrews, in your New Testament, chapter 8, and in chapter 10. That new covenant is when we have broken bread. In the same night in which our Lord was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks and says, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And likewise, after the same manner, he also took the cup, saying, This cup is the new testament, or the new covenant of my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sin, this do ye as oft as you drink in remembrance of me. Notice the Lord says in Isaiah 31, 22, He hath created a new thing, that woman Israel, Christ would come. And then he says in Jeremiah 31, 31, a new covenant will come, or a new testament. Then again in Ezekiel chapter 11 and verse 19, listen to what he says. I will put a new spirit within you, Israel. That's what he's saying. I will put a new spirit within you. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to take out the dead stony heart and give you a heart of flesh, meaning he's going to give you a living, beating heart for him. In other words, from our dead, sinful, our depravity of our nature, he's going to change us and he's going to quicken us and he's going to make us alive with a heart after him. Ezekiel 36 and 27, he says, I will put my spirit in you. So here we have, these are old things brought out of God's treasure right into the new. Old and new. For example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, I quoted it earlier, or part of it earlier. I think I quoted part um, a little wrong earlier. Forgive me. But here it is. Now, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. What is this? You're in this new covenant. You, your brother, you, sister, when you get saved, you're in the new covenant. He made Jeremiah 31, Hebrews 8, Hebrews 10, uh, 1 Corinthians 11. This is the new covenant when he hung and bled and died and shed his blood. Now, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. My old life is gone. My sins are gone. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm blood washed. I'm blood bought. And so are you in Christ. All things have passed away. My whole sinful life, my whole past, all things, behold, all things have become new. Notice, new creature, you've become new in Christ. Don't let anyone dig up your past if you've repented of it and given it over to Christ at the cross and he's washed you. You're forgiven of your sins. Your past is gone. You're a new creature in Christ. Move on in God. Notice here, so Hebrews chapter 10, speaking of this covenant, speaking of this newness, here's something else that's new. Hebrews 10 and verse 20. The Lord says we can come where Jesus hath, con- hath made a new and living way consecrated for us. Prepared for us, it means. Set down for us. So the, the, the high priest of Israel went in behind the second veil, the holiest of holies, the most holy or the holy of all as it's known, and he sprinkled blood on his way there. This was the path of blood to walk before he gets to the Ark of the Covenant to, to, to shed blood or sprinkled blood that was shed over that mercy seat that lid of the ark with the cherubims on it. And since Jesus was hanging on the cross, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. 
in Jerusalem. Jesus, looking upon this, knowing that all things were now accomplished, said, it is finished. Paid in full. And so his blood, as it were, sprinkles into the very presence or the holy place of God where you and I in the new covenant can now, instead of a high priest going once a year to make a, a, a sin offering for us with a sprinkling of the blood, you and I are washed in the blood, cleansed by the blood, purified in the blood, and you and I come through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed once and for all and never to be repeated again because there's still power in the blood. And we have a new and living way. It means a way that's still like it's freshly slain. A way of blood that gives the idea it doesn't have to be laid down over and over and over again. It's been shed once and for all. And the power of the blood is that although the blood was literally shed 2,000 or so years ago on the cross of Calvary by our Lord Jesus Christ, we then find that that blood that was shed still speaks for us in heaven. And we can enter into prayer, into the throne room of grace, into the holy of holies, into the presence of the Lord. We entered by the blood of the Lamb, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So notice here, the Lord hath created a new thing. Israel will compass Christ, or they'll be attracted to Christ, come on to Christ. And this is the sign of God's true people. And then Jeremiah is a new covenant with the house of Israel, the house of Judah. Jesus comes and sheds his blood. The spirit quickens us. And Ezekiel, we're told that the Lord will put a new spirit in us, a new heart. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, we're made a new creature. We're forgiven. We have become new. Hebrews 10 and 20, We now walk in the power of the blood, into the holy place ourselves, Jesus is our great high priest entered into the holy place up in heaven. And so we find here he's consecrated a new and living way which has been prepared for us. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17. Can you see now how these are all old covenant concealed by all the works of the tabernacle in the wilderness and then in the temple now in Christ and the new covenant being made with us. Coming through for us, treasures from the old, preaching it from the old, and you bring it into the new. The new is now revealing what was in the old. So notice here, Revelation 2 and verse 7, those who follow Jesus and keep their testimony, it says, the Lord says they are given a white stone and a name written on it. A white stone and a new name written on it. A new name. You got to get a new name. The white stone was a symbol of covenant. A white means purity, but it's also a symbol of covenant. But some things that, that this stone stood for just for a moment also, it was used for voting in government. Governments would have came and put stones in, and if there had been a, a black stone in, you get, people call it black ball. And so that's where some of that comes from. I'd be careful, friends, because the Masonic would use things like this. That is not godliness. It's here. The scriptures meant that. Jesus says you'll, have the, you'll be given a white stone. 
the white stone was used as a token for acquittal in a legal case too. So if you were given a white stone in a legal case, it means you were being acquitted of your crimes, found not guilty. And the Lord says, look, if you're an overcomer and you go on in me through the blood, he says, you'll be given a white stone. You know what it means? You've been acquitted by the judge. You're found not guilty, not guilty in Christ. Also, it was a symbol of victory in an athletic contest. They would have came and give the victor a white stone, some of them with their name graven in it. They had it graven in, and this was part of their prize. So we are victors in Christ. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us because of all of this new Things from the new and the old, or the old and the new. And it was also an expression of a welcome guest by a host to his banquet. So they used these white stones, and now you see the symbology that the risen Christ gives to John at the last days to tell us that this white stone means something. Here's what it means. It means all those things we've spoken about, but it was also given by someone who was a guest at a banquet. The white stone, it meant that that stone, you were a guest who had been invited, you were welcome, and that no one could hinder you nor stop you entering the banquet and partaking of the table. It's not what Christ is doing. He's bringing us to this banqueting house. It's not what it's going to be, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so he gives us this white stone, It actually was uh, given to someone who served, served well, who served well. I think of the Lord Jesus. The ancients would have uh, parted, uh, ancients, uh, the men would have parted with a white stone and wrote their names on it. And some of it would have been, you've served well, and they had it because of their service. Jesus said, he will say, well done thou, good and faithful servant, enter thy into the joy of thy Lord. But they also had a, a white stone and they took it and they wrote someone's name on it and they exchanged it as a vow of perpetual friendship. Today, you can get these different necklaces where one takes one part, one takes the other. I, I, I'm not too uh, aware of what they are, but I know they're there. And these friendship bracelets or whatever jewelry, here it was a stone, a white stone. Your names are written into it. You're my friend perpetually, and I am your friend. And it means that you and I will not be parted as friends. So when Jesus says, you'll receive a white stone and a new name written in it. The new name was, here's my name for you. Like a, sometimes like a pet name or a nickname, as we would say, and given. So something else which shall be new is in Revelation 21, verses 1 and 2. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there is no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Notice a new heaven and a new earth. Now, if you go to Isaiah, we're going to go and look just here. Isaiah chapter 
66 for me, please. The very last chapter of the book of Isaiah. Verse 1, it says, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? So the heaven is his, is his throne. The earth is his footstool. And he's saying, well, where would you build for me? So they build the tabernacle and the temple. But he says, where are you going to build for me? Now it's the temple. Now the new temple that is built is the new Jerusalem. The new temple is the men and women of the new covenant. Is those whom we have spoken about coming right through to the blood, through the blood of the Lamb. And here it is, we are, you and I are, the new temple. Notice, thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Isaiah 66, verse 22. Notice what it says. For as the new heavens and the new earth I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. Notice the Lord says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Peter tells us there's a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And so it's only the redeemed and the blood washed that are in this this is the new heaven, the new earth. The earth is, as it were, uh, renovated and destroyed, as it were, as we know it, or, or taken apart as we know it. I don't know how God does it, but he's going to do a new heaven, a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness, and we will go and worship him. We will worship the king. Notice, so it's a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. The renovated, renewed heaven and earth. Isaiah 61 also says something. Isaiah chapter 61. Let's just read a verse here. Verse 10. Isaiah 61 and verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Notice, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. The garments of Yahshua, or Yahshua. If you're wondering, that's the name where we get Yeshua, Jesus. He's clothed me with the garments of Jesus. Notice Christ in the old, bringing it out to the new. It's concealed in the old. It's revealed in the new. And the new is showing up what is in the old. He says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. Whose righteousness, uh, whose robe are we wearing? We're wearing the robe of righteousness of Christ. He who kept the law we couldn't keep and lived the life we couldn't live and was perfect before his father, did no sin, knew no sin, was yet without sin. He who was holy harmless and undefiled, separate from sinners, now made higher than the heavens. He gave us his righteousness at the cross. By faith we trusted in him, and he took our penalty and our sin. So here speaks of the old or the new. He clothed me with garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robes of righteousness. 
And what are we? As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causeth things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord will cause righteousness to, pardon me, the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. And what has happened throughout the years? As this Bible we spoke of, as the word of God went forth, as our nations printed the word, and we were made great on the earth because of the glory of the Lord and the blessing of God, what happens? His praise is known in the earth. Missionaries go forth to all the corners of the globe. And here his praise has been made known throughout us. We are new creatures, new creations. We are the new Jerusalem. We are God's new Jerusalem. Revelation 21 and verse 4 says, And there God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more, more pain, for the former things are passed away. All of that is gone. Everything's new in the Lord. I'm coming to a close. But I want you to see, even when you read the dimensions, it's all symbolic, but read the dimensions of New Jerusalem and you see the, 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 the pillars of, of New Jerusalem and, and the foundations are named after the apostles and the prophets. So notice the uh, prophets of the old, the apostles of the new, and now we are part of that. So notice here all the pain. It's going to be great when our bodies are changed and when there's no more suffering and there's no more sorrow and there's no more pain and there's no more crying and there's no more death and we'll not be separated from our loved ones anymore and there'll be no coronavirus or any other virus and there'll be no more cancer and no more tumors and no more arthritis and there'll be no more sickness whatsoever and all things have passed away that are, uh, 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 that are detriment to us and that are bad for us and, and all things will become new. Revelation 5 and verse 9 says, of the redeemed. And they sung a new song. A new song. Saying thou art worthy to take the book. And to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us. Redeemed us to God. By thy blood. Notice everyone who's there is redeemed. They're God's own. Peculiar people. They are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb unto God. It's the only way you can come. It's the only way you can be there. It's the only way you can be made new. And it's the only way you can be part of it. That is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou hast redeemed redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And verse 10 says, And hast made unto us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. On the earth. So it's a new song, a new song of praise, a new song of God's victory in our lives. Notice Psalm 40, verse 2 and 3 says, He hath brought me up also out of an horrible pit, and from the merry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, hath established my goings, and hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and shall fear and shall trust in the Lord. That's what he's done. He's given us a new song in this life. Our new song will continue into the next life. And that new song 
Revelation 7 and 9 and Revelation 15 and 3. Speaks about the throngs singing a new song. Revelation 7. It talks about the, the, the tribes that are, uh, and out of the tribes that are sealed, this great group that come out of tribulation, it says that they're washed in the blood, it says they're singing a new song. Revelation 15 says they sing, that we sing the song of Moses and of the Lamb. Song of Moses. Some might wonder what that is, and some think it's Deuteronomy 32. God is our rock. We'll be singing old treasures. Think about this. In the kingdom, we'll be singing old treasures. We'll be singing Old Testament. Listen to this part of it. Oh, give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak and hear, O earth, and the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain, as the tender herb, and the showers upon the grass, because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto, God, unto our God. He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves, their spot is not the spot of his children. They are perverse and crooked generation. That's where we are, that's who they are, and this is who we are in him. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath bought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father and he will show thee the elders and they will tell thee that when the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is a lot of his inheritance. And we can go on and on and on. And when we do, we find that this could be the song of Moses that we will sing. You have saved us. You've been our rock. Some think it's Psalm 90, a psalm of Moses. That's a psalm, but this is the song. So nevertheless, everything is in Christ. And this is the last I leave you with. Revelation 21 and verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. I make all things new. The treasures from the old now revealed in the new. That which is concealed in the old, revealed in the new. And that which is in the new just shows us, points back to everything that's in the old, right in to kingdom come, right in to the new Jerusalem, right into that time of worship and praise where there's the names of the apostles and of the, of the prophets and of the names of the tribes of Israel. And there we find the very gemstones on the breastplate of the high priest that garnishes that city. In other words, it garnishes us as the people. We have the righteousness that Isaiah spoke about. We have that robe of Christ, the righteousness. His salvation that he brought to us. And we have the blood of the Lamb which cleanses us. I trust this has been it's more like a study this morning. I trust has been a help to you to understand that's who you are 
in Jesus. That's who you are in Christ. And I wish our people, I wish our land, I wish our nation, I wish our society, I wish they would waken up. And I wish they'd see the glories of God in this book and turn from their wicked ways. Turn from their wicked ways because they've twisted, they're turned. And those wicked ways will bring them to hell. Let us continue on in the faith. Keep trusting in the blood in the book. And let us preach the gospel unto every creature. And God will do the rest and give the increase. May God bless you. You're in Christ. Be encouraged for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. Don't forget the drive-in. Six o'clock on Martin Road tonight at Turkington's. And we trust that you'll come. And don't be getting weary and don't faint out of that coming. We appreciate your uh, attendance. It's a, as you know, it's a massive yard that's great. But we need you to come. If you know anyone unsaved, invite them along. They may have to bring their own car, I don't know. But invite them along. We'll preach the gospel. It's all simple. It's all stripped back. That We just want people to hear of the salvation found in our Lord Jesus Christ. You can be part of that. Part of that work. Part of that glory. Listen, and you might receive a, a stone for that. That you'll be able to say, Lord, I've done what you asked. I've been faithful unto the end. Let's stay faithful until Jesus either calls or comes. And may he find us serving serving him with a full and a true heart. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, take again your word. Bless your people watching now live, whether YouTube or Facebook, watching later, or whenever they watch, we pray, Father, that you would encourage them in the faith. Bless them, Lord, and may they, Lord, realize your greatness in their life and your love toward them. Father, we pray, let your word go forth in power. Glorify your name and glorify your son. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. God bless you all. See you soon.